Good morning, church. It's good to be here. I hope you came this morning expecting God to speak to you. I love the fact that when we open the word, it's as if God says to us, hey, I got your attention now. I want to say something to you. His word is living and active and powerful. So before we start, I just need to pray. So will you pray with me? Father God, I want to thank you this morning for the time to just worship you, to say that we believe in you, and that you are good to us. And that when I think of who you are and who we are, it really is incredible that you pursue us and that you want a relationship with us. So we give you great praise for that this morning, and Lord, as we open your word, we ask that you would enable us by your spirit to hear your voice. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay. Well, I titled this uh, message, A Life-Changing Prayer. Now, one thing I think about HCC is that we're a praying church. I like the fact that I know there are a group of people that pray every Sunday morning for our service. That's really incredible. I know that over the past year and a half, we have spent a lot of time praying for the pastor that God has for us, and I'm really excited to see uh, who this man and his family are that God has chosen for us, and I have great confidence that it's going to be great going to be good because we have been praying and trusting God, knowing we can't make this happen. God has a special purpose here, and he's going to put us, give us the right man to move forward, and I'm excited about that. So as I say I'm going to talk about prayer, I'm like, I know you pray. I love it that I'm part of a praying church. But I believe that every word God has written has um, deeper significance than we often think about. Uh, In fact, the Lord's Prayer is what I'm going to teach on this morning, and I would not be surprised if most of us could quote it from memory. Right? Got that one? But I want to challenge you. When you're praying each phrase, do you know what you're asking God for? Why would God ask us to pray about these things? And I want you to compare your prayer life to the Lord's Prayer. And see, do you really mean what he's saying when he teaches us to pray this way? So the Lord's Prayer is found in two places in the Gospels. It's in Luke 11, verses 1 to 4, and Matthew 6, in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. So first of all, I want to ask you, have you ever heard a sermon or opened the word yourself and this word just like jump into your heart? (laughs) I bet you have, right? It's like, you know, like, boom, that word that was just spoken grabbed me, like settled in on my heart. So 1989, uh, when I stopped to do the math, I thought, oh my goodness, that was a long time ago. But I remember a sermon I heard in 1989, Now, the thing is, I don't know who to give credit to this 
uh, sermon because I had the radio on. That was back in the days when I listened to the radio. <laughs> and I didn't actually stick with the whole message. The speaker was reading from Luke 11, and it was going to be a teaching on the Lord's Prayer. And he started off. So if you'll turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 11, and we're just going to read the first verse, which I have on the screen as well. So the disciples, can you imagine, have you ever thought what it must have been like if you were a disciple of Jesus, like to live with this man that is so beyond what you've ever seen before? I mean, how often do we see a man that says, rise up and be healed and raise people from the dead? That you know, doesn't happen in my sphere of friends. <laughs> uh, this man, they have watched him calm a sea, rebuke demons, uh, multiply bread. He, you know, can you imagine just wondering every day, what is he going to do now? And what a mis mysterious man this is. So they had watched Jesus, who was God in the flesh, take time away to pray, go off by himself to pray. And at one point, the disciples said to him, Luke 11, 1, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. So I remember that day in 1989, I'm in my kitchen, have the radio on, and Lord, teach us to pray, hit me. And I said, God, will you teach me to pray? Now, at this time, I have been a Christian for 15 years, and I am so grateful that in high school, I had an older friend who discipled me. And she made sure that I knew that it was vital to spend time with God every day. I knew how to have a quiet time, how to get up every morning. First priority is Jesus. Spend time in his word, spend time talking to him. And she made sure, our youth group made sure, that we memorized two scriptures a week. I say, I had walked with God for 15 years, and I had prayed. But I lack confidence, like... Do I really know how to pray? I mean, does God really hear my prayers? And I just had this real desire to really understand prayer more. So those five words were the life-changing prayer for me. Lord, teach me to pray. I started praying that daily. And can I tell you, you ask God to do something like that. Our father, he says, wow, of course I want to do that. And uh, so that's in 89. Now I will say that prayer is as simple as just talking to God. We can talk to God all day from the time our feet hit the floor till we close our eyes at night. We can just have an ongoing conversation with God. But there are many prayers written down in the Bible, and I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt, there's more to prayer 
that God wants us to grasp and learn. So I'm just going to challenge you. Even though you already know the Lord's Prayer by heart, I hope each of these phrases will become more meaningful and God will give you more understanding to them as we pray. Now, when I say that we're going to look at each phrase of the Lord's Prayer, I do not want you to think that every day you have to say this prayer word by word. Jesus did not say, pray these words. He said, pray this way. So we're going to look at topics as if each phrase is a topic that for some reason, Jesus thought it's important that your prayer life involve these topics. So prayer is simple, so simple a child can do that. And just as a little commercial for tonight, these children at John Home learn to pray. And there's one little guy on Friday. This little guy has a really difficult home. Basically doesn't have a mom and dad. Uh, he just has a hard time. And he'd had a really bad day at school. And he comes to John Home, and it's dinner time, so he wants to pray. He's a prayer. He likes to pray. He's 10. And in his prayer, he said, Father, would you give us some watermelon? Now, it's already really hot there. Okay? It's already really hot in Taiwan. And uh, so watermelon, he just said in his prayer, God, will you give us some watermelon? And then they go on and they eat their dinner. And before they had left the table, there's a knock at the door. And guess what? God sent watermelon. Just an ordinary farmer who doesn't know the Lord, just happens to think at that time, that day, I need to take John home some watermelon. God hears the prayers, simple prayers. So don't listen to this and think, oh, I got it. I got to pray really complex, like this is hard. No, God just is wanting us to learn what kind of things he really cares about and what he wants to do in our life. So, in this message I heard on the radio, he gave an outline for the Lord's Prayer, for each of these petitions. And I remembered them because they all started with P. You start with praise, then you pray about your priorities. You pray about what you need, provision. You pray about your problems. You pray for protection and end in praise. So that has helped me a lot. Used to be, I remember in those days, I'd read a missionary biography, and this guy said he prayed for hours. He got up early every morning and prayed for hours. I thought, how in the world? What is wrong with me? Like five minutes, and my mind is drifting. I can't even pray for five minutes. Close my eyes, and already I'm planning dinner. But when I start taking this outline, it's really helped me to stay on track and to pray as I pray through these things. So going to take them one at a time. So we're going to look at the, at the Lord's Prayer in Matthew. Now it'll be on the screen, but I just want you to know we're going to go from the Matthew passage. Um, and so it starts with verse 9. This then is how you should pray. And Jesus starts by saying, Our Father in heaven. Right away, this tells us that prayer is about a relationship. 
Can you call God your father? Do you belong to him? Are you his child? If so, you have access to the father. Do you know that he delights? I mean, God, almighty God, what makes him happy? What does he delight in? What does he get excited about? The prayers of his children. Proverbs 15, 8 says the prayer of the upright is his delight. Isn't that beautiful? Ephesians 3.12. Now, this is from the living Bible, not the new living. Because <laughs> I looked it up in the new living. I'm like, no, that's not the way I remember it. The living Bible is what I used in the 70s. <laughs> A long time ago, they've replaced it. But this is how it reads in the living Bible. I think it's a beautiful picture of what prayer looks like. Now, we can come fearlessly right into God's presence, assured of his glad welcome. When we come with Christ and we trust in him. So just picture this when you start to pray. Who are you praying to? Your father. Your father who loves you, who is delighted that you came to talk to him. And we can have confidence before him in his presence, in the presence of the almighty, eternal, sovereign God. We can stand before him without fear with confidence, assured of his glad welcome, because we come with Christ, Christ in me, Christ in you, Christ is with us, Christ beside us. It's like Christ is going with me into the throne room and to aid me in my prayer. So I just really like that picture. When we think about a relationship with God, I think back to 1989 and I think how I couldn't, Pray for five minutes without my mind wandering. Think about somebody you really care about. And if you spent five minutes a day talking to them, what kind of relationship would you have? I mean, it's pretty obvious, right? The people that we're closest to are the people that we're in communication with a lot. And I hope you just see that's what prayer is. And that's all God wants is for us to be in communication with him to build this relationship well, the next phrase is, hallowed be your name. Hallowed isn't a word that's in my everyday vocabulary, is it in yours? It's a little bit of an old word. But we've had two messages this last two weeks on holiness, and those two words are the same in Greek, that come from the same word. So what does it mean when we're saying, holy be your name? We need to understand holy means to be set apart and unique. There is no God like our God. He is one of a kind. He is sacred, as we should show great reverence to him. He is pure. There's not one thing you can find wrong with God. Absolutely pure, holy. He is to be respected, honored, and exalted. He is the king of kings. We should approach him with awe and reverence. That's what we're saying. So we start by saying, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. This point in the outline is praise. Now, why should you start your prayers with praise? 
Do you start your prayers with praise? Is that what you do? Is that your habit? So now when I start my prayers, I just spend time before I jump into God, you know all of this trouble. I just stop it, start by just praising God for who he is. I just make sure I'm focused on who this God is that I'm praying to. I start, you know, every day is different, but like, God, I know that I am welcome in your presence and I am just in awe that you would want to hear from me today. God, I praise you for your mercy in my life that you chose me to know you. God, I praise you for your goodness, your faithfulness, your generosity, your kindness, your unfailing love. Just start your prayers with praise because that focus is the perspective we need when we come before him. Usually when we pray, we're most often driven to prayer I would say by problems. Would you say that in your life? (laughs) I have a problem, I better pray. Well, the bigger your God, the smaller your problems. Now, I know I read that somewhere. The bigger your God, it's not original with me. The bigger your God, the smaller your problems. So when you start your prayer with praise, you're just getting a picture, a perspective of who this God is, and it makes your problems look smaller. So that's the first point. Start with prayer. The second point, we're going to pray about our priorities. Do you know every day you make choices and you live according to what you think is most important? We all do. It's just the way it happens every day. I chose to brush my teeth today, did you? (laughs) That was a priority, right? Every day we have habits. We have things we do that we have chosen to be a priority. Well, God says, pray about your priorities, pray about your choices, and he's saying that by saying, now ask that, your, that his kingdom would come. What is he telling us to ask for? Is he just referring to that great day at the end of the age when he comes and establishes his kingdom on earth? Is he just saying, okay, pray about the future about my eternal reign. You know, what I believe is that when he says, pray that thy kingdom would come, it's an already now petition. I want your kingdom to rule my life now. It can also be a not yet. Someday we know you're coming again. But right now, do you live in God's kingdom? Absolutely. If you belong to him, what does it look like to live in the kingdom of God? Colossians 1.13 is a verse that I think is a great picture. It says, he has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness, and he transferred us to the kingdom of his dear son. There are only two kingdoms in this world, the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of unbelief in Jesus, and the kingdom of faith in Jesus. It's only two kingdoms, and I remember what it was like to live in the kingdom of darkness. I know what it was like when I was transferred to the kingdom of Jesus. It's incredible. Like, nothing on the outside of me changed, but inside of me, my whole perspective on life changed. My situation didn't change. 
but God changed me. And in Romans 14, 17, Paul is speaking, and it gives us another picture of what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God. Paul starts off by saying, for the kingdom is not about eating and drinking. At this point, the Judaizers were trying to convince Christians that now they need to become Jews, and they needed to do this and not do that, eat this and follow the dietary rules. And Paul says, no, no, no. It's not about what you do externally. That doesn't prove you're in the kingdom of God. Just because you go to church every Sunday doesn't prove you're in the kingdom of God. It's not an external thing. The kingdom of God consists of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Does that describe your life? Righteousness, peace, and joy. That's what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God. So I picture myself every morning when I say, God, I want your kingdom to rule my life. Your kingdom come and rule my life. I live in your kingdom under your authority. I am your servant. And I want to live in righteousness, peace, and joy by the power of the Holy Spirit. The next priority, the next phrase is, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, I've been stuck on this one for a while. I get to this part of the prayer and I think, why is this so difficult? Why am I having a hard time saying, God, I don't want anything else but your will for my life? It, I know that sounds, maybe you guys don't struggle with that. I'm just at a point was like, do I really want to trust you that much? <laughs> um, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I really like this quote. Um, it's by Warren Wiersbe. He's an old dead guy. <laughs> That's who I like to read. So anyway, uh, true prayer is not telling God what to do. Just stop right there. Is that, got that? We don't have to go to God and say, well, God, here's this problem, so you need to do this, this, and this. Okay, that's true prayer is not telling God what to do, but asking God to do his will in and through us. It means getting God's will done on earth, not man's will done on heaven, in heaven. Is that the way you approach prayer? Is that your perspective of prayer? I just really like that. I don't come to God to say, okay, God, fulfill my will. This is what I want. This is what I desire. I say, God, this is what I want. This is what I need. This is what I desire. But more than that, I want what you want. I want your will to be done. So that's really important when you're making choices. Are you going to, do you want what you want or do you want what God wants? Two choices. There's no in between. Spurgeon has a prayer that says, Lord, if what I ask for does not please you, neither would it please me. My desires are put into your hands to be corrected. Strike the pen through every petition that I offer that is not right and put in whatever I have omitted, even though I might not have desired it had I considered it, not as I will, but as you will. Sometimes when I find things like this, I read Spurgeon's commentaries, and when I find things like that, I'm like, oh, really? Like, 
Put in whatever I have omitted, even if it's something I don't desire. I don't pray like that. God's been working on me. So, what does God's will look like in my life? I was struggling with this one morning. I'm having this conversation with God just recently and said, you know, God, if you could just tell me what you're going to do in my life. Right now, my life seems kind of like I'm in this in-between. I don't know, don't know what God's plan is. I thought I had a plan, and it, it obviously got interrupted, <laughs> changed. Nothing I can do about that. So what's the next step? And I'm wanting God to give me a vision, really. <laughs> Not that I usually would say that I expect God, but I realize as I'm praying and talking to him, tell, just tell me what you want. I'm, I'm picturing where he wants me, how long I'm going to live there, what I'm going to do, who I, you know. And God says, okay, well, he brings two scripture to my mind. Here's what it looks like, Barb. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. Barb, my thoughts are not like your thoughts. And my ways are not like your ways. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so high, so much higher are my ways than your ways. I thought, oh, I'm picturing what is God's will. I want the picture. And God says, first of all, that's not what you're thinking. My ways are way beyond. And then he reminded me of Ephesians 3.20. This is how God works in our lives. I love this verse. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all that we could ask, all that we could imagine, all that we could want, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory forever and ever. The kingdom and the glory forever and ever. How does God work in our lives when we totally want what he wants? It's better than we ever imagined. And I know that's true. I've seen him do that in my life. So I'm looking for him to do it again. I've seen him do that at HCC. And he's going to do it again. He is doing it. All right. So start with praise. Then God says, pray about your choices your priorities. Then he comes to provision. Give us this day our daily bread. I think we're good at this. Do you? We're good at saying, God, give me. God, I need this. And sometimes that's our whole prayer. So I was thinking about this and I thought, suppose if you're a parent, suppose the only time your child talked to you was when they wanted something. What a relationship, right? Don't we, you know, I'm just going back to the relationship. Prayer is about a relationship. Yes, God wants us to ask for what we need. But do you see a word in there that starts with D? That's daily bread. Daily needs. That means asking for what you need today. We, he's saying, you know what? You don't need to worry about tomorrow. Just focus on today. Some of us are good at worrying. And you know if you're one of those. You probably already know it. Nobody has to tell you. And you're always thinking about, but what about tomorrow? 
What about next year? What about, oh no, what's going to happen this summer? What if I do this and this? And If you're a worrier, spend time in Matthew 6. Start at verse 25, where essentially Jesus is, this is in the Sermon on the Mount, right after the Lord's Prayer, shortly after, and Jesus says, why do you worry? Why do you worry about things like clothing and food and shelter? I mean, why are you worrying about that? And he says this, rather blunt statement, that's what unbelievers do. That's what the pagans do. People who don't have God, they worry, and they probably should. But you, you have me, your heavenly Father, and just all you have to do is open your eyes and look at the birds. Don't you love how simple he can talk? Like, just look at the birds. Doesn't he take care of the birds? Doesn't he feed them? And aren't you of much more value to your heavenly Father than the birds? So Matthew 6.33 is the simple recipe for worry. Just seek first your priority. Seek first the kingdom of God, and everything else will fall into place. Everything else will be added to you. And then he says, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't, just don't do it. <laughs> tomorrow has enough worries. Today, trouble is enough. Today's trouble's enough. So just pray about what you need today. That's provision. And then we go into problems. When he says, Jesus instructs us and forgive us our sins. Do you know every problem has at its root sin? Always. And I believe the biggest barrier to our communication with God is sin, our own sin. And so it's, there's always a remedy with Jesus. Isn't that great? Do you know that's why Jesus died? so that there wouldn't be a barrier between us and the Heavenly Father. Jesus took our sin upon him, bore a horrific death. He paid the penalty we deserved, our sins deserved, so that now all we have to do is just come to God and say, hey, God, I messed up. I don't know why I said that. That didn't need to be said. I don't know why I'm thinking that. I know that's wrong. All we have to do is confess. Confess our sins. And he, what does he do? He says, oh, good. I'm glad you see it. I'm glad. Sin, let me tell you, sin blinds you. So if you see sin in your life, rejoice. Be glad that you're not blind to your sin. Because sin is out to destroy every one of us. All we have to do is say, God, I messed up. I sinned. I know it was wrong. Please forgive me. And he promises he will forgive our sins and cleanse us. Start over, fresh start. Cleanse us of unrighteousness. And then he says, pray that you will forgive. Pray that you do forgive those who have sinned against us, those who have sinned against you. It's easy to happen, you know? Other people are going to let you down, no doubt about it. You're going to let them down, no doubt about it. Relationships aren't easy. Anybody agree with me? 
So what happens is if we feel guilty because of our own sin, if we have resentment, bitterness, or anger towards others, I believe that robs us of confidence in prayer. It kind of keeps us from praying. We just have this sense that maybe we're not good enough to pray or we don't want to face God with it. We might even want God to deal with us about our bad attitude. When we think about sin, we need to see it's deadly. It will blind us to where we don't really even care what God thinks about us. We can get that hard-hearted by sin. So do you see that every petition that Jesus put in the Lord's Prayer is there for a very important reason? This is how we keep good communication with God. Now this last phrase in the outline, protection. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I'll just confess, I forget to pray about this one. I mean, it's not part of my, uh, I, why do I need to pray that I not be led into temptation? Because sin is deceptive. Do you understand that? And do you know when you're deceived, you don't know it? That's what it means to be deceived. You know, we have an enemy, and his purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy us. That's his purpose. Now, he's not going to wipe us off the face of the earth necessarily, um, because I believe God's in control of the day of our death. But you know what he's going to kill? He's going to kill your joy. He's going to kill your faith. He's going to ruin your relationships. He's going to work to ruin your reputation. That's how he works. And the first thing he does in our lives as believers is to get us to think he's no big deal. I don't need to guard my heart from sin. Why? I don't have any sin that I can see. But we're all part of an unseen spiritual battle. That's where we live. Our greatest needs, although when we come to prayer, it seems like we think our greatest needs is this headache I'm dealing with or this lack of funds in the bank or whatever. Our greatest needs are our spiritual needs. And we need to be praying for discernment, not to be led astray by false teaching. Jesus said there's always going to be false teachers. Are you wise to that? Are you discerning about what you read and who you listen to? Do you pray for strength and courage to resist when you're being tempted to do something God wouldn't smile on? Do you do anything that you think if God showed up in the flesh, Jesus walked in, you'd be ashamed? This hard thing about this is it's not just external things we do. It's, it's like our thoughts. It's our thought life. Would you be embarrassed for your thought life to be broadcast up on the screen? Like, oh, today we're going to, um, I'm just going to choose you, and your thoughts are all going to be up there on the screen for everybody to see. Yikes. <laughs> Aren't you glad he doesn't let everybody see the inside of us? <laughs> we just see each other's outside. We can't judge the inside. But God sees. So he says, realize you're vulnerable to temptation. Don't take it lightly. 
You're in an unseen spiritual war. Deliver us from evil. Deliver us. So I got to our strength. We need to pray for strength to resist the enemy and temptation and for a heart that is sensitive to and despises sin. Do you pray about your heart? Do you ask God to give you a heart that is sensitive to his spirit, that you can hear his voice? A heart that despises what he went to the cross for. And then the sixth point is to end your prayer in praise. Now, if you're looking at your Bibles, your Bible may or may not have this phrase because they, it wasn't in the earliest manuscripts. But whoever translated it early on thought, this is a prayer. We need to end, in, end like this. <laughs> I think it's a good one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. After we've just given, prayed about our priorities, prayed about our problems, ours and with other people, after we've prayed for protection, whatever you've prayed about, end in praise because that is the purpose of prayer. The whole purpose of prayer is that God would be glorified. You know that first picture of Jesus coming with us to the throne room of God, it's all about him. It's all about showing his glory. When people look at our lives, they should say, hmm, there's something different about them. They're living for God's glory, living for his kingdom. You make a difference in this world. People, that, people are watching you. You influence them just by the way you live. Now, this book by John Piper called Don't Waste Your Life. Uh, I remember when I was married to Rick, he decided we would read this in 2005, and it's a really good statement. Um, and I recommend it to, if, if you're young and thinking, well, what direction do I take? I have so many choices, read this book. If you're middle-aged and you're realizing, I don't wanna get on the wrong path here, read this book. If you're retired and you're thinking, I don't wanna coast all the way to glory, I wanna still be making a difference. This is really a good book. John Piper says, we waste our lives when we do not pray and think and dream and plan and work toward magnifying God in all spheres of life. God created us for this. This is our purpose. Got it? To live our lives in a way that makes him look like the greatness and the beauty and the infinite worth that he really is. Is that what your life looks like? That's what he wants to do, and that's what he works in us and through us when we surrender to him in prayer. It's like opening the door to Jesus and saying, my life is yours. I want your will, not mine. I live in your kingdom. I know you're going to meet my needs, my every need I'm not going to worry about. I'm asking you and trusting you to protect me today, protect my mind, keep me on your path. For yours is the kingdom and the power 
and the glory forever. Amen. Don't want to live a wasted life. So, Lord, teach me to pray. If you leave this message and you just go home with these five words and start making it a part of your prayer life, I'll be thrilled because I know how God has answered it, is still answering it, still working in me, still teaching me. We will never master prayer because we're not going to master God. It's not a matter of saying the right words. It's a matter of understanding God's heart and what he wants to do in and through us. So I'll close with this statement by D.L. Moody that convicted me. He's picturing heaven, and he says, next to the wonder of seeing my Savior will be the wonder that I made so little use of the power of prayer. Can you just think about that a minute? Picture yourself in heaven. At that point, we'll have perfect knowledge and I think this is, it's convicted me. I'm going to say, now, why did I live under this burden as if life was too heavy? Why didn't I give it to God? And why in the world was I afraid to give God my whole life? To say, God, you can have every part of me. I don't care where you want to put me. If you want me to stay here, if you want me to go there, I don't care, God. My life is yours. Why am I, you know, when I get to heaven, I'm going to say, why was that such a struggle? The wonder that I made so little use of the power of prayer. And the great thing is, you can do it all day, every day, no matter where you are. Every time you have a free moment, your heart can rise to God and just talk to him. It's that simple and that powerful. Amen? Yeah. Okay, let's pray. Oh, Father, I just want to thank you so much. Thank you for your grace in our lives, that you open our eyes to even see you and know you is just such an incredible privilege. Thank you that you want more for us than we even dare to dream. That when we walk with you and live in your kingdom and your glory radiates in our lives, that's real life. So thank you, God. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for teaching us to pray, for showing us what's important to you, what you really want us to talk to you about, because you know those are the things we need to pay attention to. So we thank you for the Lord's Prayer. We thank you this morning that um, you continue to teach us. And we give you great praise for that day when we will see you face to face. And we pray, God, that you would make us the kind of people that have a whole horde of people with us that we have influenced to bring into your kingdom. What a day that will be. We give you great praise and we rejoice in you, our Father, who loves us. In Jesus' name, amen.